Avengers! Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Excelsior, the world's number one Marvel's Avengers podcast. I'm your director, Christian Buckley, here today talking about the season finale and honestly the whole thing, Loki, season one. Joining me is the Apex legend, Jack Martin. How are you, sir? Excelsior, Christian. Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm very excited to talk about this, and it feels very similar to the old first run of Excelsior we did back when it was more just a marvel slash mcu podcast so this uh it, it feels good to be back in this uh, sort of regard absolutely you know i considered throwing out the idea of doing a one-off from black widow but i think the revelations and new story stuff and implications for the greater mcu leaving this episode of loki is much more warranting its own discussion than i think black widow did so we will talk about black widow on this week's normal episode of excelsior releasing on saturday i believe that will be the 17th but today you're getting loki and loki only as he deserves so hot off the presses too yeah 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 for sure i i finished watching about two hours ago i know you just did a rewatch so it's very fresh in the mind these are the hottest piping hot hot cross bun takes right now Mm -hmm. so uh i guess starting things off there will be spoilers in this episode for those who just saw this pop up in your feed and you're like what the hell is this um there will be spoilers but first off jack general impressions on the finale and i guess the show as a whole what did you think of loki so on both accounts i was so pleasantly surprised by the show and the finale. Um, I didn't have too many expectations going into the show itself. I was expecting a smaller contained sort of series akin to the little ones we got with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I feel like that, uh, the show excelled on that aspect. But man, I was going into this finale in particular with very low expectations, considering that the final episodes of WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier were either okay or kind of outright not good and i was just blown away by this finale i thought it was amazing i think it's the best disney plus finale for mcu it's probably right up there with the mandalorian season two finale in my Mm -hmm. opinion um yeah i thought the tension throughout this episode was well established and it carried from minute zero to minute 46 um and yeah, I, I don't feel like there was a lot of wasted time with this episode, and it wraps up the series as a whole in such a beautifully crazy way. So I loved it. What about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you for pretty much all of that. Um, I thought it was a great finale. I thought, like, we did learn officially today that Loki is, in fact, getting a season two. That's straight from the mouse's mouth. We know that absolutely now. Um And I think that's funny that Loki, which Loki's story as a show is not done the way WandaVision's story as a show is complete and self-contained, the way that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is complete and self-contained in terms of being a show, right? Those stories will continue in films. Loki is very much not done, but it felt like it had such a stronger ending than both of those shows, and with my only low point of this season being last week's episode, I feel real strong about what they did with Loki and the future of this show and this character in the MCU. And I feel that way about a lot of characters in this episode, I believe. So, uh, yeah, why don't we, why don't we open up the floodgates? So you had your, your spoiler free impressions. If you haven't watched it yet, go watch it, come back, hear our takes, share your takes, but man, out the gate they got me they really did they got me i i was we were both a little doubtful that they do kang right oh yeah i last episode was fully not expected yeah yeah well (laughs) they kind of did kang but they kind of didn't and i really really love that so we we get to this mansion right this castle on this asteroid at the end of time and we're greeted by miss minutes and i'm sure you saw this but there was a theory that Miss Minutes was the one behind everything. I did. did see that? I did see that. I 
when she popped up, I was like, no way. Because <laughs> I thought yeah, I thought yeah. that theory was ridiculous. But, um, dude, it seems like everyone was right except for us, Christian. <laughs> I know, I know. Because and... if you argue that Miss Minutes was behind it, like, in a way, she kind of knew more than she let on. And if yeah. you thought Kang was there, well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just think it's really funny. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, I think we're also not wrong because technically it wasn't Kang, you know? Yeah. yeah um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. So, yeah, the episode, uh, it, it, it got me. I was like, they said he, he remains at first. And I was like, oh, I heard that theory as well, and they're just a random character, and people thought, oh, he who remains could just be a variant of Loki, the way we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But then the elevator opens once they get through this this castle, and then you see Jonathan Majors, and I was like, fuck, they're actually doing this right now. Oh, my God. I did, like, did you get thrown off when you saw him? Because, like, that was a big what-the-hell moment for me. My immediate action reaction was wow they actually did it they actually yeah. did and i texted you this and it, it wasn't in reference to kang um we'll mm-hmm. talk about what the other one is but uh i i really just was blown away i know there were some uh breadcrumbs leading up to it i know Eliath was associated with kang in the comics and people were really going on that train and sort of taking that uh to the kang station and uh choo-choo it arrived so yeah that's pretty good so, uh, from there, the episode splits off into two main threads, I think. One is very dominant, and that is Loki, Sylvie, and uh, the Kang variant in Kang's castle. And the other being Mobius at the TVA, Hunter B-15, and uh, Judge Renslayer. So, would you... Do you want to talk about the Renslayer side first? Because I feel like there's less to say there. Yeah, there's uh, that... much less to say there. We can we can start there. So, yeah, Mobius' whole thing this episode, after he left the Void last week, he said he was going back to the TVA to start a revolution. Uh, clearly, him and B-15 are at the head of this whole thing. We see the reveal, the payoff for the pen. Uh, not Mobius's history, but... Ravana's. So B15 shows some other hunters that Renslayer is actually a principal at a high school in Ohio in 2018. Yeah. I did you like that reveal? Uh yeah, I thought it was I mean, we we knew that everyone was a variant. Um mm-hmm. I think that was a really good payoff for a pen. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like that makes mm-hmm. so much sense now that you think about it. Of course, the high school she uh was the principal for or whatever she was, um, that was what the pen said on it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was really great. And it it kind of sets up, I don't know where we're going to go now with the multiverse involved, but it, it sets up that Hunter B-15 and Mobius were starting the TVA re- revolution of tuning in all the people who worked at the TVA to be like, hey, this is not exactly what you think it is. Yeah, and I, I think for what it's worth in this episode that's some very interesting season two seeds right like very much i think the focus of season two when we get that first episode will probably be picking up with the tva i don't think it's going to be checking in on sylvie or the end of time excuse me the end of time i think we'll get to that point for sure but i do think everything with the tva for season two is where we'll jump back in sort of the way we did with season one. So that's my expectation right now. Right. Um, I think that, I think the judge Renslayer bit is probably the weakest through line through the show because mm-hmm. they try to tee up stuff with her character um, in terms of her knowing more than there actually is. And even finding out that people are variants, it seems like she already knew that and is still dedicated to the cause unlike mobius who hasn't even seen his past life he just mm-hmm. hears what other people have to say and believes them um and she's the only one that stays like true to it um so she's an interesting character but i don't have a sense of really why she's doing that yet i feel like that's a little unfounded as of now obviously that'll be a season two thing but at least at this point i'm I'm somewhat interested in her character, but I just don't have all the information I need to really, like, say she's one of my favorites. Sure. 
I um I know we had this conversation I think around episode two right about the TVA blind faith and maybe criticism of religion from the way they're telling their story and I think after this finale hits obviously when you talk about predestination there's things that uh, Kang is saying and all that kind of thing that could f- feed into that but I think for me it specifically stood out with Judge Renslayer basically saying like it can't be for nothing I have to believe that there's a meaning to this sort of the way that you see like I don't know devout Catholics be like oh you, I mean I gotta be a good person so that way I don't go to hell you know like it, it really did to me hit on that hey this is maybe not the focus of the show like we thought it could have been but that thread of the TVA the belief in the timekeepers the belief in a greater power is sort of a a critique on religion and Renslayer with that blind faith is where that thread ended up and it was not as big of of a focus that I wanted it to be but I did think it was interesting seeing her sort of wrap that all up when she walked off this episode Right. I do like the idea of her being in denial. I was slightly confused by her saying she's in search search of free will because it seems like the TVA is the antithesis of that and she stands for the TVA. Um, So a little confused by that. I think it's kind of supposed to be confusing and we don't really know what she's up to. And that's more of a season two thing. But sure. Yeah, she she has the seeds of um, potential for being a really interesting character um, in the, you know, in the time to come yeah i'll say this too like when she said in search of free will i thought she was talking about uh well i guess we're just gonna keep calling him kang jonathan major's character in this episode i thought she was talking about him because i think when miss minutes is there she says something like oh he wants you to have this file like he wants you to see this this is more helpful mm. and she's kind of clueless she's like who are you talking about and then when Mobius comes into her office, she says something to the effect of, like, only one person can have free will. And I think that file was probably, like, his character maybe doing some security of, like, hey, if things don't go the way I hope they do with the whole Loki-Sylvie choice, maybe Renslayer can, like, step into what i'm abandoning my life's work you know yeah that's kind of what i, I think you nailed it. that that's probably where that's going mm-hmm. so very interesting uh but yeah definitely the the shift was felt with her uh when she walked out but i i, I was into it i think it's a good setup for a new season yeah absolutely so that being said why don't we go over to the loki side of things loki sylvie and I've seen people refer to him as Immortus this episode. I've seen people refer to him as he who remains just as he's introduced. But he is a variant of Kang the Conqueror, uh, a variant of Nathaniel Richards, the scientist great-grandson, I think, of Reed Richards and Sue Storm. So, uh, I guess, as far as introductions go, what do you think of Jonathan Majors in the MCU? I think it took me through my rewatch of the episode to really enjoy the performance of Jonathan Majors because at first blush, I, I couldn't really settle in on his acting because it was it was kind of all over the place, which I guess makes sense because he's uh, controlling the, you know, the sacred timeline and he's a little out of his mind at this point, uh, I think it's safe to say. But mm-hmm. after the, the rewatch, I, I really liked how he sort of like, delved into madness in a way um and i really love how he made both loki's feel completely helpless because anything that they do they can't win either they take over for him and they have to do the dirty work of maintaining the sacred timeline ensuring that the multiverse doesn't go out and spiral into madness or kill him and then that happens um and i love how he is just like the all-powerful being that he is essentially um so his character as the villain without even having to throw a punch um i think was done brilliantly yeah i fully agree i was enthralled by his performance um i think part of the reason i wasn't looking forward to a kang big bad reveal here and the reason i feel like we still didn't get kang is because it 
I, w- I was expecting it to be Thanos 2.0 and just being like, oh, I believe I have a holy right to do this for the greater good of the universe. And, like, it roots from a similar place, right? It stems that way, but I, I really love the direction they took with him because we'll see if this translates to Kang as well because this is a variant of the character we will be introduced to down the line. But I did... I honestly, I didn't really get a sense that this character was a true villain. I think he was just like, hey, this is the the scenario where there's going to be the least blood on somebody's hands, and I'm terrified of the other outcomes, and I think that terror comes across in how frantic he is and how scatterbrained he feels, which is so interesting because he knows everything and because he's in so much control of literally everything. I really thought it was like a brilliant portrayal of uh, a new character introduction, and it was not what I expected it to be uh, when people were saying, oh, it has to be Kang. And I think that just gets me excited for the inevitable reveal of Kang, too, because if there's this character who is all-powerful in what we know so far, and he is so, like, fanatical and frantic... I think it puts a lot of pressure on the Kang reveal because I don't know if Kang is going to be as eccentric or if Kang is going to be more in line with Thanos. But I I think when we do eventually meet Kang, I think the pressure is really on for him to be imposing and threatening because of how Jonathan Majors portrayed the variant of Kang here. So... I thought it was a brilliant way to introduce your next big bad. I don't think he will act remotely the same as he did in this uh, episode, whenever we see him next. Uh, because you're right, he is. this was a variant of Kang, and variants all act differently. And even if uh, Kang looks similar, maybe, I know people are saying they might do the more traditional like purple or blue Kang. Um, even if he looks like kind of similar facial-wise, but has like, I don't know, blue or purple with him, uh, I think he'll probably be more like a menacing character, like what you said, like a, a Thanos. But I always think in the MCU, the villains that are the most impactful are the ones you can sort of sympathize with in a way um, or appreciate what they're doing. And even though Kang, <clears throat> excuse me, even though Kang started all this with reaching out through the multiverse and sort of starting all this madness, um, he's like trying to, you know, calm it and make sure nothing spirals out of control. So in, in a way, it's like, oh, well, I, I mean, he, his his means are pretty awful, like enslaving people to, uh, you know, trim the timeline. But he's, you know, preventing utter chaos uh, in the multiverse. So in a way, it's like, man, he's just this dastardly villain who seems like he's like kind of one or multiple steps ahead of everyone else, uh, quite literally at some points. So I really enjoy that about his character. Yeah, I I do too, and as, I'll say this, when we do eventually meet Kang, if he is not a carbon copy of Thanos, right, but like if he is really more of that stoic, um, I have a holy crusade, I think I'll be a little disappointed, because the idea of a villain believing they're right, but acting out and maybe doing the horrible things they're going to do out of fear, I think is way more interesting than Thanos, who is like, oh, it's my uh, manifest destiny to, to do this upon the universe so everybody can uh, continue to live, right? Um, and maybe, I don't know when Kang is going to become the Thanos equivalent. Like, I don't know if that's 10 years from now or if that's in 2023, but if they do go the Thanos direction of, like, brooding, deep-voiced, menacing guy, the further we wait to see Kang again, the more I'll be okay with that. But, yeah, just the way it was introduced here and the way that we see the variant of himself be so afraid of that other version of himself makes me really excited to see him whenever we do get to see him. And I know we will see him for sure in Quantumania, so... Yeah, and I just like how the tension built up through the episode even still leaves off with him saying, I'll see you later, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's terrified of <laughs> the variants of himself. 
so I, I think we're in for something good. Um, slight spoilers for the Invincible comics. Um, there's a character who is exactly like Kang the Conqueror, how Kang is portrayed in this episode. Like, someone who, like, no, like discovers the multiverse and, like, communes with themselves and, like, sort of works with themselves for a purpose. Um, and that's what I thought about during this episode. I thought that was great. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it a whole lot. So, um, I, I just... Do you think that Kang is going to be Thanos level for the next decade, or do you think Kang is going to be this phase? Because I could see a world where Kang's whole being is dealt with by the time we get Fantastic Four, which I assume will be the equivalent of Avengers for this phase, and the way Loki was introduced in Thor and then was sort of wrapped up in Avengers, I could see Kang be introduced here and Ant-Man and then wrapped up in Fantastic Four at the end of Phase Four. I'm leaning that way. I I don't know if you tease the the next Thanos so quickly and have him stay so long. Um, especially to give him such a reveal. Like we know a decent amount about this character in a way we really didn't about Thanos uh, at the end of Avengers. Yeah. So I think maybe he's a Phase Four villain, but the multiverse itself and the ramifications of that of that will last throughout this next phase. I I'm starting to think that the multiverse won't be quickly dealt with um, in phase four. I think that's a, a few phase situation. So the multiverse saga follows the infinity saga, you think? That's what I'm thinking. Okay. I can see that, yeah. And I think that makes sense, right? And similar to the Thanos introduction, I do think Kang will probably be dealt with by Fantastic Four, which really makes sense because, like, Kang his legacy begins with the fantastic four right so like it it just makes a lot of sense i think in my opinion to take care of that there in a significant enough way and then maybe fantastic four introduces that next 10 year villain and we talked about that as a possibility on last week's episode but uh, exciting things for the future i think it was a genius way to introduce your villain by <laughs> introducing them but not really introducing them and just being like, here's the taste. We'll see you in a couple years. Yeah, I, I really like that a lot. He's almost like a messenger for a bigger, th- bigger threat yeah. himself mm-hmm. later on. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping. I really like this a lot because I know in the past we talked about how they'd introduce Galactus, right? And you have to maybe have Silver Surfer show up and then just say like something's coming and you're never gonna be ready for it. I I got similar um, intent from the way they did Kang. Um, the setup of Kang here with the one who remains. So I did think it was fantastic and a huge highlight of the episode, but I know you shouted out the tension they build in the episode and that entire scene in his office, uh, really, I have to rewatch it, but I think that might be one of my favorite scenes in the whole MCU. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. It's the majority of the episode. It's like a good split up between like different cuts between that and, uh, mobius and renslayer it's like Mm -hmm. a good 20 minutes (laughs) or more yeah yeah and i mean i made a tiktok about this but it is mimicking my favorite scene in all of star wars of the throne room scene in return of the jedi so that's my favorite type of villain conflict storytelling sort of thing where there's there is a fight that's going on but it's a very personal intimate fight and it is 90% dialogue and talking to get through whatever the conflict is. So, like, literally you have the two characters of Loki and Sylvie in the Luke and Vader position, who they should be on the same page, but they're not quite. And then you have the Emperor or uh, the Kang, the one who remains, just, like, laughing and being like, whatever happens, I'm good. And they literally they have the window, too, of, like, just <laughs> showing the impending doom. Like, I, I thought it was great. Like I said, favorite scene in Star Wars, love dialogue rather than flashy fighting. And I think that was integrated into the MCU very well with this scene. Um, it seems like they, I mean, now it's certain that they got rid of the the big sort of boring boss fight before uh, this episode in last week's mm-hmm. episode, which is why that was probably my least favorite episode of the show. Um, yeah, and I, I'm glad that 
sort of reversed. Like, WandaVision had the penultimate episode being more dialogue-focused and character-focused, and the last episode was more action-focused, and it was kind of the reverse for this uh, particular episode. But I love how, at the end of this episode, you still have smaller character moments for both Loki and Sylvie, um, and you still have the MCU building with the, you know, giant multiverse and all the ramifications of that. But um, I just love how, at the end of this episode, there was clear at the end of the season rather there was clear character growth for loki um and he's almost punished for it in a way and that's just the most loki thing i could think of where he's like trying to better himself and he is spurned for it and that's amazing yeah and i think that's really ironic considering moments before he has that punishment for trying to better himself the way that he did this entire season where there is somebody controlling everything when that element's taken out right when the one who remains is killed and free will is unleashed across the multiverse loki still loses and like still falls into that self-pity and like why did i trust anybody like i'm really glad we got to stew on that and i'm glad that in the final moments of this episode like you're saying there were character moments and yeah, him being punished, that was a really good way to phrase it, I think, because, like, he, his heart is kind of broken, because he trusted Sylvie, and she betrayed him, um, he went to honestly look for his new best friend to find some comfort, he has no idea who the hell he is, so, like, man, you brought it up, I think, earlier in the episode, and before we were recording, but in terms of a show, this is how you do a season finale. Like, I think they they wrapped up a ton of threads in a very satisfying way and left off on some amazing, like, low notes to just make you think until we get season two. So, I, I yeah, I'm really glad it didn't just end on Sylvie murdering him, you know, or something very bombastic or screen of the timeline just like spewing out into a million different things i'm I'm glad we got some some character moments to leave off on yeah and like what you alluded to like his arc is far from being complete um i've seen like some people mention not feeling fulfilled uh by the end of this because of loki loki's character but that's clearly purposeful because we're getting we will get that resolution eventually but it we're just leaving off uh in like the middle of his arc where he's clearly at the lowest um and it's interesting because i don't think we can really predict where he goes or how he grows or regresses because it's very possible that he reflects on him trying to change and is just says well that didn't work i'm just gonna go back to the way i was or i'm gonna adopt a different persona or however he wants to deal with that um so i i thought that was a brilliant way to end the episode and uh the season overall just to tee up what happens in season two being more of an unknown um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm also so glad and i was not expecting this i i really thought the show was going to wrap itself up very nicely and i was dreading that the multiverse wasn't really going to be a thing addressed in the show all that much um that clearly was not the case i i'm glad that the multiverse is actually meaningful in this and i don't think i could have told you that loki would have been as impactful the show at, would have been as impactful as it was back in like January, because I think we're all expecting WandaVision to be the multiverse setup um, mm-hmm. that it wasn't. And this, I think this was equal parts uh, character building and very personal and also huge universe building. And I mm-hmm. think they handled it uh, well on both accounts. And I was totally surprised. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up too, because I know I'll see this at some point, but I truly believe that this show is more than just, like, a a bridge between the Infinity Saga and what we're calling the Multiverse Saga. I really do think that this show, much like WandaVision and Falcon, is telling a meaningful story about a character that couldn't be done with another character or in another form. Like, using this show, using the idea of literally facing yourself of loki against sylvie the other variants like 
to overcome yourself in a way that you just constantly have to look at how pathetic your existence can be it makes Loki's story of like finding himself finding who he really is his struggle of his identity I think really effective and I think by the end of this season yeah I had questions at the end of the episode about what's up with Mobius what's up with the multiverse but I also was thinking about Loki as a character right because after Sylvie kissed him which I do think was just her using him right I don't think she is reciprocating anything there no she literally Um, spun him around so she could grab the mm -hmm. uh temp pad yes so like seeing when we cut back to loki and he's just sitting there and he looks so broken i real like i thought to myself i was like what would happen if this loki right now went to go see thor like how would their relationship be different right now like those were questions i was asking myself and i do want to see this loki meet thor again and see if anything can change with them like that was a huge note that i had in my head when the episode is wrapping up because I do think Loki's changed and I do think he's gone through enough of a journey of discovery that I think seeing him with Thor, his brother, his rival, his friend would be really interesting and different. So I do want to give the show credit for developing a character the way the other shows did in addition to having a great impact on the future of the MCU. Yeah, totally. And, I, I really love how this show takes him on a roller coaster of an arc uh, in a lot of ways. He starts at the bottom being captured by the TVA, um, eventually rises with Mobius and um, Sylvie in the penultimate episode, just sort of, you know, being close to each other and, you know, developing their relationship uh, and friendship. Uh, and then now being even further down than he was at the beginning of the series. And I love the uncertainty of his character and just the ramifications of the show in general. Um, like what does the, what, what will the multiverse actually look like for the MCU? Um, how will it be sorted out? And also like, where does Loki even go from here? Uh, so yeah, I, this just remind the finale of this and the show in general just kind of reminds me of watching like game of Thrones in high school and just getting left off at the end of that, of one of those seasons being like, where are we going next? I can't even imagine what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, I, this show is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask you this then, because we see after Loki has his moment to pick himself back up, uh, he is going to look for Mobius in the TVA. Uh, there was the clock, right? With like all the mm. different hands on it. That was new. And I, I think they made a deliberate, focus on that thing right like did that stand out to you uh it did the second time um okay in the layout i think of the the room he was in was slightly different as well i don't know if the couch was there and the tva we knew or there was a bunch of numbers and letters on the walls where he was that i don't think was the case but yeah the clock was definitely different the the hands on the the clock we saw at the end were all black and i think they were multicolored on the one we were familiar with okay yeah so it definitely stood out to me there and i was like that's weird i don't remember anything like that before but uh it's revealed loki is in the the library the archives of the tva he sees b15 and mobius together he tries to catch him up clearly he's distraught like you said struck with fear because of kang and i think this is maybe again we're talking about leaving off on a television show this might be one of the best final exchanges i've seen in a season where it's so exciting you're like okay they're gonna team up they're gonna work together next season they're gonna take on kang they're gonna try and make the tva a force for good but mobius is like who are you i i i I, that was like a jaw-dropping moment i was like no way they're not doing this right now but Do you like that reveal? Do you think that's strong leading into a new season? Oh, I think it's incredible. We They essentially gave us the Planet of the Apes ending um, in a way where uh, at the end of that movie, he looks at the Statue of Liberty and sort of changes our whole perspective of you know what was happening mm-hmm. uh, in a way. But it just you just leave off with that note being like, oh man, I can't believe they did that. Um, and another change here was Mobius, uh, the one we knew throughout the whole show, had his uh, tie 
uh, sort of loosened uh, in the episode a little bit before, and then this Mobius, it was all, you know, buttoned up and his tie was all the way up. Uh, but yeah, just the ramifications of that. I love how just unclear and uncertain everything is by the end of this episode. Um, I think that's a lot, that's a really strong way to leave off your season because there's so many potentials for the next season of television where I love the end of Mandalorian season two. It is very definitive and it's like very much kind of the inverse of where we find Loki at the end of season two. It feels like a lot of arcs have closed at the end of uh, Mandalorian season two and Loki, there's just so many possibilities and I love them both, but I do love the, the tension and just the, where do we even go from here? Vibes we get from Loki. So yeah, I, it's amazing finale i feel like that that's kind of the takeaway for a lot of people with this uh with this show is just how crazy we leave off yeah i do want to ask you about that statue right because that's the final shot of the the show we see loki look out into the library after he's a little confused trying to get his bearings and he sees rather than the three timekeeper statues he sees one statue of someone who is most likely Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. So Sylvie, maybe unintentionally, I think, sent Loki to whatever timeline where the variant of He Who Remains that scares He Who Remains, Kang the Conqueror. I think that's the timeline our Loki is in now. And my idea is that this TVA is maybe i'm more militaristic i think this might be a conquering invasion tva rather than like a a tva that is meant to keep the balance for he who remains i think in a similar fashion you know variant slightly different um kang the conqueror built this army of maybe they have a different abbreviation but he makes this army of soldiers to help him invade other timelines i think that is maybe where we're going. So this Mobius isn't our Mobius, but it is Kang the Conqueror's Mobius, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't have any theories for where we leave off, but I that's a good idea. That sounds interesting. Yeah, because, I don't know, I feel like if we hang on Kang the Conqueror presumably being celebrated in the position the Timekeepers were at the TVA, I think inherently the Timekeepers were meant to be a peacekeeping uh, being or force benevolent. where Kang the Conqueror yes benevolent where Kang the Conqueror, uh, Conqueror is very much like I'm hungry I, w- I want things you know so like yeah I think that might be the direction we're going um, curious to see if our Loki has some tension with Mobius in season 2 where he might be a bit more in the sort of position that uh, Judge Renslayer is in, but we'll have to wait and see. Very strong finale, though. When do you think we get season two? Do you think it's quick? Do you think it's a few years out? Because this is more like traditional TV. Yeah. You know? I would love if it was next year. But... You know what? I'll say it's next year, because we got... Let's look ahead at what we got coming up, because I do think we can talk about this in a second, but we got Spider-Man, probably going to be influenced by this. Multiverse of Madness, definitely going to be definitely going to be influenced by this. And 2022, I don't know if there's much else, but we know Quantumania is February 2023, and that's where Mm -hmm. Kang is going to show up for the first time officially been announced. I could see Loki season two be an an actual bridging of a gap between season one, Multiverse of Madness, and then Quantumania where Kang shows up. Yeah, I I, I would hope that it's next year because it just strikes me as being a an actual like TV show that is on the production of a traditional TV show where you do get like a season a year. Um, and that would make sense that the timeline you laid out and (laughs) there's been so many like breaking news stories today about like the ramifications of this show um Mm -hmm. and one of them is that loki is going to be in doctor strange in the multiverse of madness 
Um, so yeah, I feel like we're probably due for a season two of the show at some point between Multiverse and Ant Man. So seems like that would be twenty twenty two. Yeah, because like I I don't imagine it would come out like January. <laughs> of 2023 leading right into Quantumania. So yeah, I think if you want to build up Kang, a natural way to do that would be seeing Loki in Kang's timeline and trying to survive it. Um, I think that might be an interesting thread to follow because I don't know what his role is going to be in Multiverse of Madness. I don't know if uh, is Owen Wilson going to be in Multiverse of Madness? Or, like, is Doctor Strange going to come to this dimension to get Loki out of it? I don't know. But, yeah, lots of exciting possibilities for the future. So, speaking of that, do you think we get that Spider-Man trailer soon? <laughs> now that this is out? <laughs> that was my immediate thought. And Brandon Davis of comicbook.com tweeted that. Like, release the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer now. Because... It seems like that's probably maybe why we haven't gotten the trailer yet, because it seems like it's very tied in with the multiverse, and now Loki has officially really delved into the multiverse and sort of started this whole multiverse of madness situation. Um, So it's possible. I feel like we could really use that trailer right about now. Um, Like I said, if we get that trailer, it's coming out on a Monday. Marvel loves dropping stuff on Mondays. So maybe next Monday. Yeah, because like I'm pretty sure that where we stand at the moment, um, they probably want to give at least until the weekend for people who maybe don't have time during their work week to watch it. But that tied in with what you said, I think makes a lot of sense that my eyes are on next Monday more attentively than they have been for any other week about Spider-Man. I think it's probably time... Black Widow's out there. Uh, I mean, well, Eternals is the next movie still, but they got to at least start the marketing for Spider-Man. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a safe bet. I think by not the next episode you hear, because that's the Black Widow and Avengers Saturday episode, but the episode after. Hopefully, I imagine by then we will have a Spider-Man trailer. And uh, at this point, I think it is 100% Tobe Maguire's in that movie, man. <laughs> like, I think now more than ever, I I can't even question it. I think it's absolutely going to happen. Do you think the trailer shows those Spider-Men? Yes. I feel Without like... Without a doubt. I feel like it, you probably have to at this point, right? Yeah. Like, like people know. <laughs> people know. I That's such a huge way to market that movie. Oh, God, and yeah. I think especially now... Now that the multiverse is, like, it's happening, 100% it's happening, that's how you showcase that. That's how you really be like, hey, it's a new era for Marvel right now. It's all about the multiverse. Know what that means? That means Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland are all on the same screen, all swinging through the city. I think think that's what you have to do. That's your next movie that you're marketing that you haven't started marketing yet. That begins marketing after the multiverse is opened up. I think you got to lean into that the same way they're going to lean into it for Doctor Strange, I'm sure. Uh, another tangent regarding Spider-Man. Uh, I really hope in that movie they include like the old, I think it was Danny Elfman theme <laughs> from like the oh, original please, Spider-Man. Yeah. Could you imagine like that would be a, or integrate like all of the Spider-Man themes somehow? Yeah, man. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 theme is really good. They got to do it. They got to do it. Um, but yeah, I really think with, Lo- dude, I just can't believe that Loki of all projects really like kickstarted this whole multiverse business. I just can't believe that. I did not expect that of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I- interesting observation that one Kayla Karloff made, mm-hmm. right? So she said, and I didn't pick up on this, but I, ha- I have to go back and watch again, but she thinks that there's a connection to the moment where wanda hears her children call out in the post-credit scene and loki sorry sylvie stabbing uh the one who remains and opening up the multiverse so as soon as the multiverse became open and actually tangible 
that's what triggered Wanda hearing her children. That's a really good observation and theory. That is probably correct. Yeah, because I think she nailed it. Yeah, because like that would just make sense because we don't know when that scene uh, post WandaVision occurs, mm-hmm. um, and we also don't know when technically Loki and Sylvie, or well, when Sylvie uh, kills the King the Conqueror variant. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good observation. It's probably true. Yeah, so makes a lot of sense. You know, we're leading on into everything for multiverse of madness i think wanda loki doctor strange all gonna have some interesting conversations i'm sure but um oh real quick um Mm -hmm. we've obviously talked a lot about the ending i want to really quickly talk about the beginning of this episode oh dude yeah with all of the like some of the most iconic lines in the mcu during the intro with the like mcu crawl or whatever um Mm -hmm. that was like at equal times like emotional and at, at equal times like very suspenseful and something felt off about that in a way and i just that was one of the mo- more creative mcu intros we've seen i think yeah i um i was eating a sesame seed bagel <laughs> and i i was like you know what here we go hit play took a big bite out of that bagel then i heard cap's song cap and peggy's song and then i heard the iron man repulsor and i was like wait wait what and it took me a second because it was early in the morning had to i literally had to pause it and i i finished my whole bagel i was like i can't i can't be doing this at the same time this is too much can't be choking on them sesame seeds no i i definitely did (laughs) i was like i can't i can't be eating while i'm watching this episode i'm not ready for what's about to happen yeah what a crazy way to just start the and it like i feel like this whole episode and that intro itself just showed how impactful this show is and it to me it it kind of proved that disney plus shows and not that i think many people really thought that but i feel like it it kind of proved that disney plus shows are as meaningful to the greater mcu as the movies are and i don't like i said i don't think a lot of people really thought that but the previous two shows and this show itself in a way were very personal and didn't have too many ramifications uh but this just sort of blew that out of the water being like hey those shows are as important and we're gonna pick up on threads from these shows uh in movies and whatever else we want to do and that's very clear by the end of this episode so let me ask you this then would you say that the influence and importance of loki on the mcu is it greater even than the most recent mcu film than black widow perhaps yes (laughs) most certainly is christian (laughs) interesting interesting so for those that were doubters maybe uh you might have to yes you might have to sub to this service if you want to be caught up to date i thought you were going to go with more impactful than avengers endgame because there is a case there's a case well, yeah i can hear it you there's know? a case to be made yeah i mean very much so iron man that was the big takeaway iron man is gone his replacement haven't really found him yet uh captain america we got a new cap all is well that ends well you know that that was the big takeaway for avengers endgame right mm-hmm. <laughs> um here it's like oh man we're out of our depth right now in terms of our defenses against what's coming so yeah i think you're right there is a case but uh with that being said do you want to rank this amongst the shows and uh maybe do a preliminary ranking in the greater mcu i would love to okay let me let me hear your show ranking right now where how do the wandavision falcon and loki stack up so without having rewatched uh falcon and the winter soldier and wandavision uh right now i would say number three being my least favorite would be falcon and the winter soldier which i still love uh or like a lot at least and then number two i would say is loki and number one would be wandavision just because i felt so much emotion throughout wandavision and wasn't really expecting that and really made me love the character of wanda and vision really um but I think when we're talking objectively, this might be it. I feel like this is a much more 
focus show, but at least that that would be my personal ranking. What about you? Sure. So for me, I'll go three, two, one. Three would be Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Really solid show. Love Sam and Bucky. Um, very, really impressed with the themes they tackle on that show, but it, it was a bit messy because of COVID, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Second for me would be WandaVision, despite Wanda and Vision probably both being in my top five characters in the MCU. Um, the further we get away from that show, the more I don't like the slamming on the brakes that is episode three. <laughs> um, yeah. And the ending feels a bit... It's fine, but it's a bit, a bit messy. Loki, I think, is very much all killer, no filler. Episode five is a little weak, I think, but... Just such a great focus on developing this character the way the other two shows did, but also having a meaningful and I'd say lasting impact on the future of the greater MCU. So very impressed with the show. Big fan of it. So I know you have it ranked amongst the MCU, though. So do you want to yes. give us a little taste? Um, I will say to your point of it being the best, I do agree objectively because I feel like it is the most consistent of the shows like even compared to Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I think had a good pace. Um, yeah, even want like I love WandaVision, and it's probably my personal favorite. But man, the like what you said, it really does slam on the brakes um, at a few points in the show, uh, and it, it kind of messes with the pacing. Um, yeah, uh, yes. Let me pull up my ranking, which I updated. Um, so right now I have Loki at. Do you want me to read the whole thing or just where it is right now? Sure. Give me give me what's what it's around. Give me the whole thing. Okay. So it is at number nine. Um, it is below Thor Ragnarok at number 10. I'll do my top 10. Thor Ragnarok's number 10. Loki's number nine. Black Panther's eight. Guardians of the Galaxy one is seven. Homecoming is six. WandaVision is five, which seems like it might be a little too high. We'll reevaluate. Uh, Winter Soldier's four. Infinity Wars 3, Endgame 2, and Civil War is number one. Very nice. Um, yeah, currently, I think Loki will hang in my top 10. Um, all I have left in my MC rewatch is Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame, uh, and Far From Home. And I haven't ranked WandaVision or Falcon in here, but currently, I have Loki slotted in with my uh timeline rewatch so again i haven't watched probably four of my favorites right now but currently loki is in the top five based nice. off what i've watched so far so yeah it's just this came at me like so unexpectedly and it sounds like it might have done the same for you and yeah. just totally blew me just totally blew by me and I wasn't expecting. I was expecting this to be like sort of middle of the road, um, but man, by the end of this season, I feel like it was such a solid season of TV, um, mm-hmm. and that even surprised me. I thought this was just going to be like how Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision were, just MCU projects cut up into six parts. But this really felt like a TV show, and this felt like the first like true TV show in a way, um, where the uh, the other shows kind of felt like mini show, uh, mini uh or what are they called like band of brothers is like a mini series mini series yeah yeah those kind of felt like mini series where this feels and is a tv show um and it's just great it's a great show i wholeheartedly agree um were you let down with no post credit scene yeah um in a way i was it feels like the the first mcu project without like a proper post credit scene that's probably untrue um, i think Endgame didn't have one yes yeah i think you're right um so it felt it felt weird but honestly in a way i'm glad because the weight of i i didn't kind of want the weight of the last bit of the episode to be underscored by maybe a more silly uh you know scene at the end of it uh mm-hmm. so in a way it's good that we didn't get one i am somewhat disappointed what about you i was expecting 
uh, Avengers 1, Thanos stands up, turns around, smile, sort of reveal for Kang. Mm. Like, uh, maybe just, like, he realizes what happened, and then he just, like, smiles, and then we just get to see him, and then maybe uh, we get another post-credits at the end of Doctor Strange that is more progressing what he's doing. Maybe we hear about him in Loki, and then when Kang is in Quantumania, that's sort of how Thanos was in Guardians 1. Like, that's kind of what I was expecting for his future appearances. So the fact that we didn't get a tease of him here, I think was probably the right call. You know, I bet they're still trying to figure out how they want to dress up Jonathan Majors. Um, honestly, I don't know if I want the, the blue or, or purple face paint at this point. I think... It would just maybe be a little silly, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see whenever Kang pops up for sure. Yeah, I think the potential of his character is really interesting. I love how he's just this super intelligent person that figured out the multiverse, <laughs> and he's the one that started all this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah do you do you like how we had th- like Kang, uh, the Kang variant was behind it all, or are you? Are you disappointed um, that it wasn't Loki, or did do you sort of like how uh, the show presented its case for how we ended up? I, I thought it was very close to being a genius way to reveal your villain without really revealing your villain. Like, I, I don't know if I'm alone on that, but I do really think, I mean, the way we talked about it, this isn't Kang. This is someone who is probably going to act different from Kang. This is someone who has a different agenda than Kang, but it is still kind of Kang. So I'm not disappointed that it wasn't a Loki. I think there could have been some on-the-nose resolution of facing your inner demons that like is what I was expecting. I would have been interested in seeing that, but I'm aware that probably would have been very blunt in terms of the way they were telling their story um so because we really already got loki turning over a new leaf in the show i don't mind that the big resolution was set up for the next big villain because it was a very creative way to do it and i obviously i don't think they can do this again but i do think introducing your villain by not introducing them is really smart and completely unexpected for me that if you made me think of a list of ideas of how they would introduce Kang his variant that isn't really like him kind of but is in the similar ballpark would not be in the first 50 ideas I give you so I liked it a lot I don't know how you feel I'm with you I I, I was actually thinking it would be a little bit more silly to have Kang show up in this, but I feel like the way they did it, and for him, like what you said, for him not to be the Conqueror Kang, him being the more, like, we gotta figure this out and end it Kang, um, more of the Peacekeeper Kang, in, in a sense, uh, I thought that was really interesting, and now that I'm thinking about it, it I think it the show could have gone the route of Loki, a variant of Loki was behind this all, pruning the Lokis, and then Loki or Sylvie would have sacrificed themselves to, I don't know, somehow end the uh, Conqueror Loki, and then one of them would take up the mantle of the TVA, and that would be the end of the season. I, I feel like that would have just been sort of a a dull ending to this show, and th- this ending I adored because it just totally blew me by, and I did not expect this. Um, and it also, like, I love how Sylvie and Loki just clearly not on the same uh mindset at this point and it is a clear division between their characters and that's the best way to leave it off uh in between season one and two so yeah this is i was not disappointed that we didn't get the loki i think we were both expecting loki to show up and we didn't so that i i'm glad in a way yeah i i think they made the right call and that's why they are the ones making the decisions here you know big time um I'll say this too, final note, um, seeing what they did here and really, really, truly being impressed with the way they set up Kang, I have a bit less worry about No Way Home 
I don't know how strong the correlation is, but just being impressed that they were able to surprise me was such a huge thing of introducing your next villain and setting up a multiverse. A, a little bit of the worry in my heart about No Way Home was deflated, just a bit. I don't know if you felt a similar thing or if I'm alone here, but... Uh, no. <laughs> I'm okay. still very I'm, worried. Like, I'm still worried, but not as much. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that this show, or the MCU in general, has laid the groundwork for a multiverse to somewhat make sense. Because it mm-hmm. seems like it does now, in a way. Uh, I'm still nervous on the very, like, specific level of what will it be like for a Spider-Man movie for yeah. Tom Holland Spider-Man as he is a as, as a character right now to essentially just be like how do they how do they make sure it's not just a money grabbing opportunity which in a lot of ways it is versus him developing as a character in his own universe that isn't influenced by or that will be influenced by other Spider-Man. I'm still very nervous about that. Um yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That worry is absolutely still here. Um, but maybe the worry of how are they going to set all this stuff up in one episode, in one movie is kind of less so because now we know how, you know? Yep. So maybe it won't be as much of a cluster as, uh, it was sounding to be because they don't have to explain all of it. Maybe, maybe a little recap, but you know, that's just Dr. Strange. He's in this movie. He's just like, now I'm, I'm busy. You see the other (laughs) Spider-Man out there. It's because of Loki. Don't ask me deal with it yourself then there you go you got you got to explain audiences so yeah this just makes me more excited for dr strange honestly because i famously do not like the dr strange film i think it's bad well i don't think it's bad i think it's just meh um i think his character for me at least vastly improved throughout infinity war and a bit in endgame um and i'm just glad that loki uh is teeing up dr strange in a seemingly interesting way so excited for that hell yeah well jack do you have any other final thoughts on loki season one or the finale um like i said it's just an incredibly surprising show uh i wasn't expecting anything we got out of this and i was just pleasantly surprised by the end of it uh it is in the top 10 for me as it stands right now um you and i were talking about uh, recency bias with the MCU and that is probably the case but I really do feel like this is one of the stronger projects for the MCU and I feel like I- even in a few months this show in WandaVision will hover around the top 10 for me because I just feel like they're really great shows and yeah Loki kind of nailed it on, on all fronts really I feel like like I said earlier it was it's probably the most consistent MCU Disney Plus show so far um and it balances personal uh growth with loki and as well as greater mcu ramifications uh so yeah amazing show um and you can follow me on twitter at fascinated jack what about you christian very nice yep uh, i really enjoyed this show i'm excited for season two i'm very excited to see the ramifications of this show in multiple upcoming mcu projects so very curious how slash if ms marvel and hawkeye will be addressing any of these things because like i I need to see kevin feige's timeline of when exactly falcon and hawkeye take place in relation to what happens with loki and wandavision um so curious about that we'll see how things go in the future um i did see this also i saw somebody say the gold and like onyx statues or marble in Kang's castle reminded them of the ship in the Eternals. So maybe we see something there too, but um, I'm going to be curious about how these projects deal with the multiverse moving forward. Um, if you want to follow me on anything, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Chun2D2. Excelsior can be found on youtube.com slash joyclicks for the video version in the Excelsior playlist, alongside the playlists for our other podcasts like JoyClicks Gamescast, Jedi Knights, Longplay Club, and every other one. But if you want the audio version, 
You can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your service of choice. Just look up Excelsior, Marvel's Avengers Podcast, or Joy Clicks, and you will find Excelsior. Uh, you can sub, you can follow along for every episode. If we do bonus ones like this one, uh, you will be able to find it in your podcast feed. Normal episode of Excelsior, talking about the Avengers game, interesting tidbits about War for Wakanda. Um, it's not Thursday yet. Maybe we get a good look at a new MCU suit. Fingers crossed it's Thor. Uh, you can look forward to that episode hitting normally on Saturday, along with Black Widow impressions. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Excelsior. If you want to support us, you can check us out on any of the platforms I listed or patreon.com slash joyclicks. And at the $1 and $5 tiers, you can give us uh, your support. $5 tier will get you producer credit on this show and every show, like Chris Sackis and Aaron Easton and Charles Applin. So thank you very much. But that's it for this special episode. Uh, Until next time, Excelsior. Excelsior.